How you doing, Rock family? Pastor Miles here. You are in for a great treat. There has been no one in my life that has had more of an impact spiritually than the man who's going to preach today. Kevin Minoya is the chaplain for the staff at Azusa Pacific University, and he has been a pastor to me, an encourager, um, and he has been a confidant, and he's been on our board practically since day one. And I want you to stand to your feet and give him a strong rock welcome to Kevin Manoya. He's going to preach the word to you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. Thank you. It's great to be with you. It's great to be in this place. It's great to worship God with you. He's very kind in his introduction. And uh, I want to make sure that I get a chance to say something that he didn't ask me to say, nobody asked me to say, nobody's paying me to say this, nobody's got a thumb in my back, would would you do me a favor and put on the top of your prayer list to pray for Pastor Miles and Debbie and pray for all of the staff at this church? Would you pray for them? You know, somebody from the outside like me, kind of looking in from the outside or coming in every now and again, I can ask you to pray for them. They're not asking me to ask you to do that. I just, I work with a lot of pastors around the world, and I know that it makes a huge difference when the people are lifting the arms of their spiritual shepherds and their guides in prayer, because then the battle for the kingdom of God goes well. So if you would do me that favor and put right at the top of your prayer list on your refrigerator, in the back of your Bible, in the front of your Bible, in your backpack, on your mirror when you're brushing your teeth, pray for Pastor Miles and all of the staff at the church, okay? Is that a deal? (laughs) Awesome, awesome. It's really great to be here, and I want to give a shout-out to all of the micro-sites, the military, the people who are watching online. Uh, God bless you. Say hello to them. Can you do that? All right. And how about all of the other sites? And I got a list here, just so I don't forget any of them, right? So how about East County? Blessings on you. Yeah. And North County, right? Awesome. And San Ysidro. Did I say it right? Yeah, I guess so. And of course, Point Loma. You guys can clap for these guys and bless them, right? Now, here's the one that I got to practice, right? Let me see if I've got it spelled phonetically right. City Heights. Oh, yeah. City Heights, right? Did I do it okay, Micah? I hope so. Yeah, well, you know, for this white guy, it's a little tough to get the right. (laughs) So the church is all over the county. We are spread all over the county, and we are lifting the name of Jesus Christ higher than any other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue confess that what? Jesus. Amen. That's right. Praise God. We're all over the place. So it is wonderful to be able to join together. Even though physically we're in separate places, we're one church, one faith, one God and Father of us all, one Savior, Jesus Christ, and we worship him today. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad to be able to have some time with you. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about a river. And to do that, I want to direct your attention to a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. In the book of Ezekiel, this is not a book that you often go to, 
But if you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel 47, chapter 47, or turn on your phone, whatever it is that you use for your Bible, and let me read for you a few verses out of Ezekiel chapter 47, beginning at verse 1, and then I'm going to jump through the chapter, uh, and I'll tell you where I'm going so you can track with me. Ezekiel chapter 47, beginning at verse 1, okay? Ezekiel now is a prophet, right? And Ezekiel's the guy who, who was famous for all the visions. Remember the wheel within the wheel? That was Ezekiel. And now we got another vision here about a river. That's Ezekiel. He's a guy that has visions. And in this case now, in the book of Ezekiel, we read about this preacher he calls him. Now the preacher sounds like a highfalutin name, but in this case it's basically a tour guide. Right? So Ezekiel has a tour guide who's walking him through his own vision to explain what the vision is to get him to understand the vision. So Ezekiel is telling us about his vision and how the tour guide is walking him through the various new understandings of what it is that God's trying to communicate to him. So we begin here in Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1. Let me read to you some of these verses. Then he, referring to the tour guide... Ezekiel's talking here. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There water was flowing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east. Jump down to verse 3 now. Going on eastward with a cord in his hand, the man measured 1,000 cubits and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep. He measured again 1,000 and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again he measured 1,000 and it was up to the waist. Again he measured, verse 5, again he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. He said to be mortal, have you seen this? I love it. Ezekiel's the only guy in the Bible who uses this word when he calls us mortals. He's going, mortal, do you get it? Have you ever, have you ever approached anybody and said, mortal? I don't know your name, mortal. But I think Ezekiel's trying to make a point here, see? He's, he's, he's saying, God is talking to you and recognizing that you're dust. You're going to die. And most importantly, you're not God. You're mortal. God is immortal. Right? He's trying to make sure that he doesn't think that somehow we're going to build the world around ourselves. That's selfishness, after all. And, you know, we tend to do that, don't we? Tend to make ourselves the center of our whole universe. Mortal, have you seen this? Then he goes on, latter part of verse 6. Then he led me back along the bank of the river. As I came back, I saw on the bank of the river a great many trees on the one side and on the other. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah. And when it enters the sea, the sea of stagnant waters, the water will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish once these waters reach there. It will become fresh and everything will live where the river goes. Lord, would you open our hearts and our minds to the inspiration of your word for us right now. Speak to us 
at our point of need, individually and corporately, as a church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here you've got the image of a river. First of all, I want to notice, I want you to notice where this river starts. This river starts in the temple. The water's running from the temple. Now the temple was built as a place to symbolize the presence of God. This river represents the work of God in the world. This river represents God's holy river, which is the people of God. You see, this river represents you and me, the church. We are the people who all over San Diego County and all of the, all of the campuses and all of the microsites, wherever we are online, we represent the river of God along with a whole bunch of other churches, see, This river of God are God's people flowing like a river through the world. And it starts in the heart of God. It doesn't start in a book. It doesn't start in a classroom. It doesn't start in a textbook. It doesn't start on Google. And it certainly doesn't start with Wikipedia. It doesn't start in the councils of the church, the Nicene or all the other councils. It doesn't start even in the office of a bishop or the archbishop or the pope. It doesn't start with any person. This river starts in the heart of God. It is God's passion. It is God's overflowing love that caused him to call into existence this body of people that is a river, the church, that flows through the world, restoring back into wholeness what God first created whole and has become broken and hurting and disintegrated. See, this river starts in the heart of God, out of God's abundant love. He loved us so much. He loves His creation so much that He wants to restore it back into wholeness. And so He launched this river right out of his own heart. It's the holy river of God. It is the river of God's holiness through your life, through your churches, through your work, through all the things that the people of God do. And so the river of God is flowing. The river of God is transformational starts out of the very creative love of God. Now, there are three things about a river that I want to talk to you about briefly. Every river that I know of is moving. Have you ever seen a river that doesn't move? I've never seen one that doesn't move. Rivers always have current in them. There's always movement happening in the river. If a river stops moving, it's no longer a river anymore, is it? Now it becomes something else because the very definition of a river is that it's always moving. When a river stops moving, it becomes like the Dead Sea, becomes dead, becomes stopped. When a river stops moving, it no longer is a river anymore. Now it becomes a cesspool. Now it becomes a swamp. And swamps and cesspools really start to get mossy and stagnant They start to attract mosquitoes and flies and 
stagnant water, cesspools, all of a sudden start to get stinky and smelly and mucky and yucky and ucky and all the other technical words you can think of? You know what I'm talking about, right? See, when the church stops moving forward in the flow of God's impulsive love, we become stagnant. And we then only become good for drawing flies and start smelling and stinking. So if you don't like movement, the church is probably not the place for you. Because the church is the river of God that flows through the world. It's always moving. Rivers are also always changing. You know, um, when my kids were younger, a long time ago, when my kids were younger, we had a favorite place we used to go in Yosemite. Uh, We love Yosemite Park. A lot of you have been there. And there's a place called Happy Isles. A lot of you have visited Happy Isles probably. I'm not sure why they called it that, but it's called Happy Isles. And we would go to visit Happy Isles, and particularly with my youngest boy at the time, like eight or nine years old, Uh, He liked Happy Isles, and and he and I would always explore Happy Isles. Now he's big, he's tall, he's he's very broad, he's strong, he's heavy, and he's extremely hairy. So (laughs) he's a completely different-looking boy than he used to be. He's not a boy, he's a man, but I still think of him as a boy. I'd grab Corey's hand, I'd say, Corey, let's go explore the Isles. And we would go jumping across the water onto those little islands, you know, in the middle of the fast-moving river, and we would see how far upstream we could go. We'd jump from boulder to boulder and get as far upstream. And then we, one year we, we found a boulder way upstream, and we just sort of sat down on that rock, and we watched the water just flowing by us. It was just awesome. And we noticed the curvature of the banks of the river. And we saw a tree that was hanging over the banks of the river, and just admiring this. Then we left, and next year we came back. I said, Corey, come on, let's go find our rock. Let's go find our boulder. Let's go find our little happy isle. So we went out on the islands, and we went jumping from boulder to boulder, trying to find our boulder, going upstream as far as we could. And guess what? We couldn't find our boulder. It was gone. We couldn't find it. So we stood there looking around, and pretty soon we noticed on upstream, where we couldn't go any anymore, was our boulder. We couldn't get there anymore. The river had changed. We looked at the, at the edge of the river, and it had already changed the contour of the banks. And we looked for the tree, and the tree was gone. See, the river was always changing the contour of the land, always adapting to the surrounding area and changing to conform to the best path it could to penetrate that area. The river was always changing. It was different. It was different one year later than it was the previous year. See, folks, the river of God is always, always, always changing to adapt to the culture to best bring the fresh water of God's love into that moment. That's the church. The church is always changing in order to best bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of God, the salvation of God, the grace of God into our communities. How can we do it best? And the church is always changing to make that happen. So if you don't like change, 
church is probably not the place for you. Because that's what the river of God does. It engages and changes its, its surrounding. The river is also always life-giving. Rivers that move are always changing and they always bring life. Have you ever seen the, the satellite pictures that they've taken from space of the earth? You notice they take pictures of all the continents. And they come to the African continent and, and the northern third part of the African continent is this, this tannish, brownish, uh, beigeish, dryish. Yeah, you know what that is, right? It's the desert. It's the Sahara Desert. Nothing lives in the Sahara Desert. It's all sand. But if you look on the eastern part of the Sahara Desert, you notice this this twisty, windy green line. It looks like a green snake that goes from the south up to the north and dumps into the Mediterranean. What is that? That's the Nile River. And you notice that wherever the river flows, there are green trees on either side. And there's grass on either side. And there are fruit trees on either side. And there are cities that cluster around the river. Why? Because wherever the river goes, it brings life. People are drawn to the river. People come to the water. Life flourishes where the river of God flows. Now remember, who's the river? We're the river. The church is the river. Starts in the heart of God. Flows through the desert land. And wherever you go, you bring life. See, when you walk into your office tomorrow, when you go to your cubicle, when you go to your workstation tomorrow, and you're encountering a tough situation... You encounter a boss who doesn't like you. You encounter a co-worker who has bad words for you. You bring a word of kindness. You bring a word of grace. You bring a word of forgiveness. You bring a word of long-suffering. See, that's you, the river of God, bringing life wherever you go. When you walk down the street or to your neighbors in your condos, when you knock on the door and welcome a new one in, or when you stop to help somebody, that's bringing life wherever you go. It doesn't have to always be leading somebody to, to, to say the sinner's prayer and accept Jesus into their heart, although that's incredibly life-giving. Sometimes it is being Jesus to the person next to you by being nice to them when they don't deserve it. Bringing life wherever you go. Bringing hope to the hopeless. Bringing comfort to the people who are mourning the loss of a loved one. When you put an arm around somebody, when you walk in and you are the one who says, no, we're gonna not, not going to cut corners at work. No, we're not going to cheat the client. We're going to do this thing right. You bring life wherever you go. You see, you're part of the river of God and wherever the river goes, there's life. But the question is, Are you in the river? Right? Question is, are you in the river? So the the tour guide (laughs) taps Ezekiel on the shoulder and he says, look, you're standing here on the banks of the river 
where you are in control. You're watching the river go by. Now, the river is comprised of two significant parts, the water that comes from the heart of God and the banks that are the culture of the world, self-reliance, self-determination. And the, and the tour guide says to Ezekiel, I want you to get into the water. I want you to experience being in the river. And so he says, sure, I'll get in the river. And he takes a step in. And he's in ankle deep. Is he in the river? Yeah, he's in the river. Sure, he's in the river. His feet are getting wet. But where are his feet planted? Squarely on the bottom of the river. Squarely in the dirt on the bottom of the river where he can still control the basis on which he's in the river. See, you may be in the river of God. You may have said yes to Jesus. I place my faith in Jesus Christ for my salvation. But there are an awful lot of us who step into the river and we want to control how we walk with Jesus. I'll be, I'll be a Christ follower as long as I can do it on my terms, as long as I can control how I do it, and you've got to fit into my plan, God. I don't want anything too uncomfortable to happen in my life. I want to keep my friends. I want to keep my job. I want to keep my whatever, whatever. I want to keep my plans for my life and my agenda and my success. I'll be in the river, but I'm going to control the terms on which I am in the river. So the tour guide taps him on the shoulder and says, I want you deeper in the river. Great, I'll go deeper in the river. And he takes another step in. This time, where? Up to his knees, the Bible says. He's in deeper. He just decided to go to church every Sunday instead of every third Sunday. Right? He's in the river. Up to his knees now. He's getting serious about this deal. Have you ever stood on the edge of the ocean with the, wa- with the waves coming in or in a fast-moving river up to your knees or so, and you notice what happens to the sand underneath your feet? You know, the waves kind of wash the sand out from under your feet. You know, that's kind of like the Spirit of God saying, I want to take away your own self-confidence and your own self-assurance. I want to take away your own foundation and your agenda But, you know, once that sand starts washing away from underneath our feet, we get to be a little bit of a, you know, kind of tipsy. Because the foundation is being eroded from under us. What does human nature do? Human nature says, i got to reassert control. So we move our feet to a new place where we once again feel secure in our own foundation. Sound familiar? Yeah. So the tour guide says to Ezekiel, I want you to go in deeper. Okay, I'll go in deeper. Now he's in waist deep. Whoa. Not only does he go to church every Sunday, but now this guy's starting to tithe. That's big time in. Right? Into his waist. You ever been in a fast-moving river? Up to your waist, now all of a sudden the current begins to become a factor and it starts pushing against your side. What is that? That's the current wanting to carry you with the flow of the river. That's the Holy Spirit saying, give up, surrender, let me carry you with the flow of God. But what do we in our human nature do? We keep our feet firmly planted on the bottom of the river where we can control and we separate our feet and we hunker down and man, we are not going to be budged, doesn't matter how fast this river flows. We're in the river, we're doing everything we possibly think that we can, but man, we're going to remain locked down. 
Then the tour guide says, I want you in deeper. The Bible says that he went in so deep that all of a sudden it became a river he could not cross. It, he was in over his head. Now all of a sudden his feet couldn't touch the bottom. You ever walked into a swimming pool or into the ocean and kept going deeper and deeper and deeper and you walk into the deep end and the water comes up and up and up like this, you know, and pretty soon it gets to your chin and then it gets up to your mouth and what do you do? You kind of tilt your head up so you can breathe and you go up on your tiptoes so you can still touch the bottom. Why? Because you want it both ways. You want to be deep in the pool, but you still want to be in control. You still want to be able to touch the bottom. And as long as your little toes can scrabble on the bottom of the pool, you feel like you have some semblance of control of your life, don't you? I just got to touch and breathe. That's all I got to do. And God says, I want you deeper still, deeper still, where your feet can't touch the bottom. And then you come to a really critical point in your life, an absolutely painful, critical point, where you got to make a choice. You've got to decide, am I going to go deeper into this pool and trust that the water is going to sustain me? Am I going to go deep into the river where it's over my head and believe that the flow is going to carry me? Or am I going to turn around and go back to the shallow part of the river where I am in control of my destiny? Where I secure my future? Where I hold on to my agenda? Where I do things my way? Where I follow the call of my culture to be independent and to stand on my own two feet? What are you going to do? See, it's a choice of the will. One of the most difficult choices you will ever make in your whole life to go deeper in over your head or to go back to the shallows where you can still control your own destiny. I'm here to tell you, folks, God's calling you in over your head. He's calling you in so deep that your toes can't touch the bottom of the river. And in that moment... You have to make a choice. Who am I going to trust? My own ability to control my destiny, feet on the bottom, or the river of God's flow, believing that he will carry me in becoming all that he wants me to be and carry me to parts that I don't even know, bringing life wherever I go. Right? God's calling you there. He wants you in over your head. Now, an interesting thing happens when your feet come off the bottom of this river, when you go in so far that you cannot touch the bottom anymore, and you surrender complete control of your agenda, your plan, your desire for success, your idea of security, when you let your feet come off the bottom and you begin to trust the flow of God's river, now all of a sudden you're going to find that it will carry you. There is no time that I know of, no experience that I've had or that others that I know have had where the river has not been faithful to carry them in fulfilling what God had for them. You can trust the river. Now, an interesting thing happens when your feet come off the bottom. Up until now, you have been securely planted with your feet in the river bottom, in the sand at the bottom of the river, holding securely stationary in the dirt, watching as the river goes by. But the moment your feet come up off the bottom of that river, something happens. 
Now all of a sudden, all that pressure on your side, all that splashing from the current pushing against you, now all of a sudden all of that goes away and everything becomes peaceful and still as you flow with the river of God because the fullness of God's shalom and peace becomes part of your soul. And up until now, you've been stationary. You've been watching this river go by, but now your feet come off the bottom and something happens. Now you're moving with the flow of God in your life and you're watching as the world goes by. Do you see the change? It's a complete transformation of perspective. Life is transformed completely. You start looking at your spouse differently. You start looking at your children and your, and your involvement at home differently. You start looking at work differently. You start looking at opportunities differently. You start looking at job offers differently. You start looking at painful moments differently in your life. Everything changes when you're in the flow of God's river bringing life wherever you go. Now remember, this river starts in the passionate love of God. And it flows through the world, bringing life wherever it goes. You're in the river. The question is, how deep? Ankles, knees, waist, or are you in over your head where your feet can't touch the bottom? Bringing life wherever God carries you. Would you stand as we close our time in prayer? Before I pray, I'm going to ask two questions, and then I'm going to invite you to respond by coming to the front in just a moment. But here are the two questions. There may be people here this morning who have never, even for the first time, put your foot in the water. You're standing on the banks, and you've never said yes to Jesus in your life. Today would be a really great day to step into the river, maybe for the first time. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it. Maybe this is the first time you've been given an opportunity to get into the river and to put your faith in Christ for your life for the first time. In a minute, I'm going to invite you to come forward if that's you. So you can kind of you know, squeeze the nerves out of your hands and your heart might be beating fast. That's okay. Second question is this. Some of you have been walking with God for a long time. You've been in the river for five years, ten years. Some of you for 30 years, 40 years. I don't know, a long time. But you've been messing around on the edge of the river. You're in, you're into your knees, maybe up to your waist. But today, God is tapping you on the shoulder and he's saying, I want you in over your head where your feet can't touch the bottom anymore. I want you to trust me with your whole life, your agenda, your success, your plans, even your dreams. I want you to trust me. God's saying, go in over your head. You may have been walking with God for a long time, but today you want to go deeper into this river of God's flow. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come down to the front because I'd love to pray for each of you as a whole group. Whether you're for the first time or whether you've been walking with God and it's time to go deeper. Right? You understand the questions, right? 
So right now, I want to invite you on the count of three, if you're here and you're in one of those categories and you want to go deeper, you want to step into the river, I want to invite you to come forward because I would love to pray for you on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on down. Join me down here. I'd love to pray for you, will you? Praise God. Praise God. God bless you, man. God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, brother. Yeah. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Keep encouraging them, brothers. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. God bless you. Yeah. Blessings on you. God bless you. Yeah. This is a big decision. It's a scary proposition. Your applause is encouraging these people. That's right. You're saying to them, we get this. We know what you're doing. This is a big deal, and we want you to know that you're not in the river alone. We're with you in the river. You encourage them. God bless you. 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 Blessings on you. God bless you. Blessings on you, brother. God bless you. 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 Amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. Amen. Amen. Any others want to come down right now? Amen. Praise God. What an encouragement. I want you to hear that applause because they're clapping for you. They're saying, we know what you're going through. We know what's inside, and we're right there with you. This is the family of God. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. I'm going to pray for you. And, and if you want to pray with someone after I'm done praying for you, you can go into that prayer room and there are people who will talk to you one-on-one and pray with you one-on-one, okay? Church, let's stretch out our hands to these. Let's pray together. Oh God, what a blessing it is to be able to be the people of God who want to flow in your river. Oh Heavenly Father, I pray for every one of these who's come here this morning, who's moved their bodies to the front of this auditorium, who have said, I want to get into the river of God by faith in Jesus Christ, who have said, I want to go deeper in the river of God over my head. I want to trust in the Spirit of God to carry me wherever you want to carry them, oh God. That's what they're saying. So Lord, I pray right now that you would bless each of these in the front of this sanctuary that you would touch them each at their point of need, that you would hear their cry, their heart's cry, that you would answer them and that they would know they are not alone. They've got all of these people behind them encouraging, blessing, praying for them. So Heavenly Father, take them deep. Be faithful to them and use them in the flow of your river to bring life wherever you take them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Congratulations, you guys. We just want to encourage you guys. uh, Do us a favor. Follow this good crew right here. We're going to take you into a room. We just want to chat with you and pray for you and give you guys some resources. Let's encourage them as as they make their way over there. Awesome, guys. Just follow the crew right there. Let's encourage them all the way through, church.